It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, boys down with the traitor, up with the star, while we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of freedom. Thanks for staying tuned to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on KNews FM 98.5. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. I also represent farming, industrial, and commercial landowners. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand slow county court cases. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional election laws and city ordinances and to represent both Republican candidates and the Democratic Party. One of my election law prosecutions against the Bureau of Cannabis Control ultimately removed marijuana billboards from Route 101. And I have also served repeatedly as Superior Court Special Master. On Slow County Public Policy and the Law, office holders, lawyers, and activists appear to inform you about government actions shaping your lives. That focus brings folks with different points of view without being attacked to tell you about how they think the laws can be improved, even if I or station management disagree with a guest's ideas. Last week, I interviewed Officer Joe Dokes, and yes, that's a pseudonym, to talk about the dangers arising in the legal and the illegal marijuana or cannabis industry. I also questioned former Grover Beach Mayor Debbie Peterson about what has happened in the fight to stop Grover Beach's city council from doubling and tripling water rates. If you missed that show, log on to knews985.com for the podcast. That's knews985.com. This hour, I am so pleased to bring the wit and wisdom of Tom Bordenaro to the show. Tom Bordenaro got his degree in agricultural management at Cal Poly served San Luis Obispo County from 1994 through 1998 as the assemblyman from the 33rd District. And Tom Bordenaro was one of the original proponents for Proposition 13 and was the first wheelchair-enabled person to be elected and to serve in the State Assembly in the history of California. Mr. Bordenaro has continued his service to the citizens of San Luis Obispo County as assessor having been elected and re-elected to the office. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity well, it's, to it's, be here and uh, talk about a subject that um, affects everybody's lives and um, people don't really really have in-depth knowledge of. Well, you know, I, I had to do a, an op-ed a few years ago and pointed out that the state constitution... Uh, requires counties to have three elected officers, and they're all officers who have uh, tremendous power over our lives. One is the district attorney, one is the sheriff, and one is the county assessor. Correct. And, uh, and for good reason. For good reason. Um, now, how many how many years have you been in the assessor's office now, Tom? Um, I have been there now serving um, 23 years, excuse me, 20 years of you would think an assessor can add or subtract. Um, but so 20 years, 
Um, January will be my 21st year. Wow. Well, I, I, I guess the question begs to be asked. You, you were in the state yeah. assembly. You were uh, writing laws, passing laws. Uh, why, after serving in that body, did you focus on real estate assessment? Uh, very good question, and thank you for that. Um, so after uh, my term, well, actually, I ran for Congress in 1998 and lost. And then I was appointed by Governor Wilson and then reappointed by Governor Davis to the Board of Prison Terms as I served for a commissioner uh, uh, on the statewide board uh-huh. of prison terms where we listened to uh, uh, lifers, uh, people that were, you know, 7, 15, or 25 to life uh, came before us and asked for parole. And um, I did that uh, for quite some time. And But then I met my current wife at um, and who had two children, and that life was not conducive um, to um, traveling all over the state, going to a different prison. I went to a different prison every week, and so um, I went back to my roots. Um, I'm, I was previously a realtor and was doing real estate um, when I was when I ran for office the first time, and then in between, I was also doing real estate uh, and went back to an issue that I had with the then assessor um, who was um, well I'll just you know we don't need to be too politically correct who was illegally taxing wine barrels um, and I had worked in the legislature on that issue and we never got anywhere um, and I decided that someone it was time for someone to challenge him um, and his overzealous um, um, assessment habits uh, and ended up running against him and um, won the seat. I'd always been interested in, in appraisal, not only being a realtor, but I taught appraisal when I went to grad school. I did go to graduate school up at UC Davis, received a master's degree, and I was uh, a, 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 I taught appraisal to underclass folks while I was there working on my master's. Uh-huh. And um, so it's always been of interest to me, and when the opportunity came and I guess he just uh, resisted a little bit too far in doing uh, what we, I believe to be a proper assessment, and so I ended up running, and there you go. Uh, there's a lot of people who get into uh, public service because somebody in public service is doing something that really ticks them off. So, yeah, uh, well, it really, it really ticked me off because we tried to do, fix it. Well, we couldn't fix it legislatively because uh, it's like it's something that legislature shouldn't deal with, so... We went to the BOE, the Board of Equalization, and they wrote a rule, and he still didn't um, uh, didn't comply with the rule. And then I announced that I was going to run against him, and he started uh, he started obeying obeying what the rule said for the BOE. So, <laughs> win, lose, or draw, I would have succeeded in getting what I wanted done, which was fair assessments for wine barrels. He was taxing them, assessing them as storage containers, but you don't pay a thousand dollars for a French oak barrel to store wine. You pay $1,000 for a French oak barrel to impart flavor into the wine process, like salt or pepper in a restaurant, which is non-taxable. Sure. So anyway, that's a long story. That's how I got involved. Um, I absolutely love the job. I believe one of the reasons it's constitutionally independent is so that, number one, you don't have pressure from uh, the government agencies that um, receive funding from what your work is. Um, 
but also I believe it is the representative of the taxpayer in a very crazy, convoluted property tax system that we have. So um, I'm an advocate for taxpayers. We have one of the lowest appeals rates in the state um, because my staff prides themselves on getting it right. And if we miss something and people ask for a review and we see that we had made a, an error most, li- most of the time because we didn't have all the information, then we'll change it. And uh, Well, for our so- listeners, um, you know, Tom, I, uh, I frequent your office um, for my clients, and uh, I frequent a lot of the offices at the county uh, government center from time to time. And um, you can always tell good leadership when the staff is actually happy at their work. And I, I have to say the folks in the assessor's office always impress me as uh, happy and uh, and glad to meet uh, people coming in and helping them out. So, uh, Well, I really appreciate that. And I'll pass it on to my staff because, and I tell them all the time, they have the toughest job in the world because they're in public service, but they produce a product nobody wants, right? <laughs> so, um, well, I, I think those kind of accolades from the public means a lot. I think that I think one of the reasons that those three offices—the uh, district attorney, the sheriff, and the uh, tax assessor—are required to be elected in the state constitution is uh, because, yeah. you know, the sheriff can jail you. The prosecutor can uh, bring charges against you and uh, if uh, assessment is uh, is over uh, the top uh, that can put you out of business literally right right so uh, well, you know that they always all be the all three used to be the same person <laughs> uh, well no excuse me all, not all three all two sheriff and the assessor were combined for decades no Actually, kidding since yeah, all the way back. I was sheriff from Nottingham, was also the assessor and tax collector. Um, so it goes back pretty far. Uh, and until, I mean, our Constitution, uh, once we started getting into the later 1800s, um, they separated the office um, nationwide, and for, for a good reason. For good reason, yeah. Well, now, um, you did a report recently to uh, the Board of Supervisors, and you... Uh, you know, it was in the press. Uh, it wasn't actually what got me to invite you. Uh, we ju- it just took so long uh, to get you in here that uh, you know th- this came out, and uh, there'd been some increases in uh, the taxable property in the county, uh, largely from uh, inflation, I suppose, and uh, and in part from uh, Prop 19's uh, requirement that. Uh, various properties be ta- uh, reassessed after somebody dies. Um, but I thought, th- I thought the most interesting thing to me was that there were 17,660 properties in San Luis Obispo County that actually had reduced assessments in 2023 because of Proposition Correct. 8 that passed in 1978. Can you tell folks why that is? Right, sure. So, uh, <clears throat> Prop 13 passed, and it said that the assessor can only reassess a property when there's a change in ownership or new construction. Um, and that passed overwhelmingly. But then people said, well, wait a minute, what happens if the market drops? If the market declines, the assessor, under just Prop 13, could not reduce people's assessments. So, um, Prop 8 was passed, it passed overwhelmingly. And what it says is the taxpayer has the right to either their Prop 13 value, which 
is indexed with inflation, so we have to track that. Right. We call it the factored base year value, which is just we'll call it an inflated Prop 13 value, um, or their market value. So if the market drops below their Prop 13 value that's on the books, we lower the values. During the Great Recession, that was, I think it was about close to, oh, I'd have to go look at the old reports, but it was over $3 billion. $3 billion in value that we dropped off of the rolls wow. prior to anybody even asking. So the properties that are in there, and that, I will say, um, there are properties that are on permanent Prop 8 in this county. Um, you go out to Cal Valley, all those two-and-a-half-acre lots, Right. people pay way too much for them because they're from New York City, and they can get property in San Luis County for $5,000 for two and a half acres sounds like a deal, right? It does, doesn't But it? you can't build on it. There's <laughs> no you see water. It. There's no power. <laughs> so well, those are like those are like 10,000 of those properties right now. Um, and then we have a bunch of unbuildable lots in Cayuca, above Cayucas, right. which people still buy, um, but they're useless. And they pay too much money for them. And then there's the, uh, um, the timeshare out at Avila Bay. They pay way too much more than what the value is. So... A big portion of those are what we call permanent Prop 8s, uh-huh. but there still are, believe it or not, properties that were at the peak of the market prior to the Great Recession that have still, people paid, that still have not gotten to where they were um, back then. Now, do they have to um, apply? So, do they have to apply for that? No. Do not have to apply. We have to look at Prop 8s every year, every which year. is, hmm. in a down market, we're busier than in an up market, yet we're bringing in less revenue, so the Board of Supervisors eyes us like, well, why are you asking for more staff? Well, because, I mean, our our workload, you know, tripled and, and quadrupled during the Great Recession because we're having to chase the market down. And then when you when the recession stops, then you've got to chase it back up because they're no longer under Prop 13, so that 2% no longer applies. So, so do you, if do the you... market comes back in a boom... yeah then their tax bill could go up 10%, 20% a year until it hits where it would have been under Prop 13. So we have to track both wow. those numbers. Wow, that's a lot of work for folks to do. A lot of work. Yeah. You caught my attention because you had an uh, op-ed about uh, the need to oppose uh, ACA 11, which was uh, something the uh, Assembly wanted to put on the ballot to do away with the Board of Equalization. And, uh, Correct. I, I, I haven't, that apparently has not gotten out of the uh, legislature because I haven't no, seen any. No, it died. Well, nothing's ever dead. It's in a coma. Until <laughs> it's... Uh, uh, right. I mean, it's still it's still out and about, but um, it's not, it's stuck in committee. It, uh, yeah. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, this was one assembly member um, who does not like the BOE. Um, and so they're after the BOE, and they've already stripped them of much of what they were doing before, because they used to always also handle sales tax and all other things, you know, other things statewide. And they moved that under what is called the CDTFA, which is under the governor's office, is now a, um, a appointed uh, department head for the California Division of Tax. The, whatever it, the rest the, of it. That for. person is the state sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, 
Yeah, if I, mean, I would think they would love to do that. Whereas um, the, the Board of Equalization, they all have to be elected from districts. They're all ele- well, four are elected. One is the controller who's elected. Who's elected. So, yeah, they're, they're all elected. And their purview is over the assessor's offices. So they're kind of like our umbrella agency. Um, they do surveys um, where they come in and there's a depends on the size of the county. They audit you every so many years. Um, if you're a smaller county, they kind of draw lots and they come in and they survey all your processes and your procedures uh, with random type audits and then they will issue corrections um, and then you could take a look at it and say, oh geez, I didn't know we weren't doing that correctly or, you know, or, well, this is the reason why I'm doing it and then, you know, we're not going to do it that way. But they, and then they also do all of our, um, our uh, we have to have all of our appraisers and our transfer technicians have to go through um, continuing education, so they handle all of that training. Um, they do all of the testing for appraisers to get their certificates, um, and then they act. They act as um, kind of what do they necessarily call it? Over because they don't have direct power over us, but we work together on all kinds of issues to make sure that if you move from San Luis Obispo County to um, I don't know, name another county. Uh, Nevada County. Nevada County, um, that they're doing the taxes the same way there that they're doing them here. So they kind of act as that equalization, thus the Board of Equalization. And then the biggest thing that they do is they, they are in charge of the unitary role, which is all those things that the local assessor does not assess, like Diablo Canyon. By law, it is assessed by the state, uh-huh. not protected under Prop 13. Um, the Morro Bay, when it was a power plant, that went um, back and forth, actually, for a while. But uh-huh. um, it's a BOE. Railroads, because um, they cross county lines. Pipelines, again, because they cross county lines in nature. Sure. Um, well, that makes sense. I mean, And, uh, and, and other things. So they yeah. do, um, and it adds a lot of uh, revenue for counties. Um, for instance, they do all of PG&E, which includes all of their overhead lines and, and all of their transmission lines across county line, they do the assessment, uh, and then they send those numbers to the counties, and then the counties, to the auditor controller, um, combines the two roles and then adds whatever they need into the tax bill for whatever whatever uh, entity it is. When the uh, Board of Equalization is assessing the value of all the power lines from Diablo Canyon uh, to wherever they go, uh, the part that's in this county... That results in a tax for PG&E to the, that that comes to this county somehow. Correct, and a portion of the, the nuclear power plant itself. Sure. So what they do is they do they assess the entire thing, and then they break it up. I I, I believe um, they break it up break it up by how many users are in that county. So it's prorated. We receive uh, a larger proration only because it's here, and we have to deal with. A lot of the issues. So, sure. don't ask me what the formula is. I don't know. Uh, I won't. Uh, but and, and does any of that come through your office, or does that just go directly no, to no, the tax all, collector? That's all. Well, it actually goes to the auditor controller, yeah. um, which does all the calculations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and our assessment role goes to the auditor controller. They combine it. They do all the calculations. Give it to the tax collector who sends out the bills. Um, the money comes back to the auditor controller, um, and then it is distributed to whatever agencies um, are receiving those funds. 
the under controller, the tax collector, are now the same person, Jim Hamilton. They used to be two different departments, but they were combined right. when Jerry Seabach and Frank Friedis um, retired. Well, folks, you're listening to San Luis Obispo County Assessor Tom Bordenaro here at Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on K News FM 98.5. Tom, I, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit with you about some of the uh, tax measures that uh, have been in effect. I think we've talked a little bit about Prop 13. Prop 19, um, which passed in 2020 uh, and had a uh, kind of a drop dead date on uh, 16th day of uh, February 2021, of all things, uh, it basically changed the way uh, people could pass on their homes and farms uh, to their children and grandchildren. Uh, and in many cases, those would have to be reassessed. Um, have you uh, have you digested all the changes from that? Well, yeah. Unfortunately, I have with many sleepless nights. Um, so it, it was a extremely confusing um, ballot measure, originally put on the ballot by the realtors to fix. Well, prior to Prop 19 passing, their motives weren't to your, fix anything. Their their motives were no. to get more uh, turnover their, so they could get commissions. Their motives were to increase commissions. So you could not, in this county, could not cross county lines when you moved your old tax base to a new tax base. So if you're 55 or over, right, you can move your tax base from your old home, your new home. Conceptually, that was you have a four bedroom home, you don't need that anymore, but you don't want to sell it because your taxes are going to go up. A reassessment. So if you bought the same or less value of a home, you could use your old tax base. People use it all the time. Right. Within the county, within the county, it's a net sum zero game because your home that you're selling, right, you're moving the tax base over, but it's going to be reevaluated. It's going to be reassessed at its market value, and you're just moving your old tax base over. So there's no, no loss of revenue. You are also able to give up to a million dollars in tax base uh, of to other um, to your children um, of other property. Like if you if you own a vacation home or a right. gas station or a little mini mart or a business of some sort, um, you could also pass that, that lower base to your to your kids. Tom, we're coming up on a hard break here. Oh gosh, see, I talked about that's time. not at all, not at all. Folks, stay tuned after the news to Slow County Public Policy and the Law and Tom Bordenaro. <laughs> 